I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. People go into medicine for a lot of reasons, and sometimes it's because of a formative medical experience during childhood. Marcus Gerald, a senior scientific associate who works at our Horsham, Pennsylvania site, is one of those people. At a young age, he experienced firsthand what it feels like to be a patient, and that experience affected his education and career as an adult. He joins us to tell his story, as well as to discuss the challenges facing Black men who go into STEM fields. Welcome, Marcus. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So (laughs) first off, can you tell me about your current job? Like, what kind of research do you do? Sure. So I'm a study director at Charles River Labs in Horsham, Pennsylvania. I work specifically in developmental and reproductive toxicology, or DART, as well as juvenile toxicology. And uh, essentially what we test drugs that are developed by different pharmaceutical companies, and we're determining their safety. So we want to know, one, are they safe for pregnant women, women uh, who are you know currently pregnant and as well as the developing fetus? Are they safe for women who might be nursing? Are they safe for men and women who are looking to conceive soon? Or is it safe for children? So a company may want to repurpose a drug they currently have, you know, use it for juveniles, and we would do the testing to make sure that that can happen. To do this, we use several study designs. Uh, we have an embryo fetal development studies. Uh, we have fertility studies, pre and postnatal studies, as well as juvenile toxicity studies. All right. Do you have like an example of some of your work that you can tell us about? Oh, sure. Yeah. So we work on a wide array of drugs from, we have different COVID vaccines that came uh, through Charles River Horsham. Me personally, I worked on a, a COVID treatment. It was a, a drug that was being repurposed from a, a different disease that they were trying to see if it had any efficacy in COVID. We also are working with a wide list of different vaccines, as well as one interesting test article I recently had was cocaine hydrochloride, and they're trying to determine if it could be used for nasal surgeries as a numbing agent. So it's, you know, we have cancer drugs, we have drugs for, you know, developmental disorders. So there are a lot of different drugs that we get to work with. And um, it's very interesting and very fulfilling. And the whole point is to make sure that it's okay for pregnant women, kids, basically anybody who's not a young, perfectly healthy adult with no comorbidities, that sort of thing. Exactly. And and, and to do this, what we do is we essentially we would use pregnant animals and we would treat them with the test article that the company has developed. And we would look at its effects on the mother as well as the effects on the fetus as it grows and develops inside the mom. Mm -hmm. We would also do studies where we'll look at, you know, how the test article might affect sperm development and morphology in the male, as well as estrus um, and mating in the female, as well as their ability to conceive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we'll look at the offspring from them conceiving and, you know, do they have any developmental issues, any malformations or variations? So we're really just trying to determine if one, the drug is safe for the mom, Mm -hmm. safe for the dad also, or if it's safe for the developing fetus and in some cases the juvenile. Can, Can you tell me about your own patient experiences as a kid? Yeah. So as a kid, um, I had a, a disorder that they couldn't really quite figure out all the way. And one of the things we had to do to try to understand more about it was visit a neurologist. And it wasn't it, by no means was it a, a, a debilitating you know, disorder or anything. I was able to function you know, normally every day. It was just something small. It would cause like, you know, I would have like muscle spasms every now and then and, mm-hmm. and under certain situations. So again, we went to a neurologist and at my time of visiting this doctor, I would always just look at the posters on the wall and, you know, read the literature and, and just, you know, read about kids with epilepsy and kids who had these disorders that were, you know, far worse than what I was dealing with. And to me, it just really impacted me to see these kids firsthand and to see, you know, these kids who were 
impacted at, you know, for no fault of their own, they're just born this way. And it, it, I just always wanted to try to help them some way, somehow, you know, as a kid, you know, you, you, you want to help everybody you can sometimes. And for me, yeah. seeing that right then and there, you know, it just stuck with me. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious, but can you explain from there how that experience affected your interests in school? Yeah, it's crazy because from that moment, I just decided, well, you know what? I'm going to be a doctor. I just said it and and it stuck. My mom handed me a, a few books. I read them and, you know, I learned that right, if you want to be a doctor, you need to you know focus on biology or the sciences. And I just I just did that. So from mm-hmm. from middle school on through high school, I just was overly interested in biology, anything that had to do with science and science fair. You know, I, so I just really tried to put myself out there and just, you know, follow the path that would eventually get me to a pre-med, which I, is what I thought I wanted to do at the time. Did you have cool teachers in high school that were helpful? Yes, I had very cool teachers. And in my high school, it was it was a really good high school for a number of reasons. They made sure that we knew who we were. You know, growing up in the African-American community, it was it was very important that, you know, culture was emphasized and, you know, where we come from. And that was something that my high school did a very good job at. Uh, we had you know, very good teachers, very knowledgeable teachers. But at the same time, you know, it, everything wasn't great. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, there were situations where, for instance, I would take a, a AP biology course or AP chemistry course, right, and, and get an A plus in the course, but we wouldn't be able to necessarily get the credits from the AP exam. So there was some disconnect there with the, the education that was being delivered. But, you know, my teachers were great and I did have a great high school experience. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the bureaucracy fails people. That's yes. definitely true. So what was it like for you when you transitioned from high school to college? When I transitioned from high school to college, it was very good for me. I mean, just to give you a little background, so there was a, a recruiter who came to my high school and he was re- recruiting for this pre-medical, pre-dental plus program at Seton Hall. And it was very interesting because just a few months earlier, my mom had handed me another book called The Pact. And it was about three black men, one of them who was from my city, mm-hmm. uh, who you know made a pact to one day you know grow together and become doctors. And they did that. And, and on you know their you know journey to do that, they all made a stop at Seton Hall and joined this program. So it just, you know, seemed, it just seemed like, wow, like how's the, you know, everything is just falling in line. So <laughs> I spoke to the recruiter yeah, yeah. and, you know, I ended up deciding at that moment I was going to go to Seton Hall, you know, so then I, you know, did some more research, joined some other programs. And to be honest, for me, my college experience, I had a lot of support. I was very lucky to, you know, one, meet that recruiter, meet the people I met, join the different programs I joined. I ended up getting um, a full scholarship to Seton Hall because of this other program I joined called Martin Luther King Scholarship Association. Mm-hmm. And from there, I between that program and then the pre-medical, pre-dental plus program, I was able to join internships. I was able to do a bunch of different pre-med experiences that I wouldn't have been exposed to. So my college experience overall was very good. But coming into my freshman year, there were a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those particular challenges, again, they kind of related to those things I spoke about in high school. Right. So I, I'm, I'm coming out of high school and, um, you know, I'm top of the class, you know, now I have a full scholarship to Seton Hall. You know, I'm thinking that, you know, things are going to go OK. And for that pre-med program, we had this six-week summer course before our start of our freshman year, where we took math courses, we took a biology course, chemistry course, and, you know, I thought, you know, everything would go well. And then the first day of class, they would ask some questions, and I just noticed all of my peers, they just would raise their hand really quick. And I'm sitting here still writing, still trying to figure (laughs) out the question. I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, Somebody didn't tell me something, you know? So at that moment, I realized, all right, you know, while I, you know, I did good in high school and I, I felt like, you know, I was smart, but I needed to do extra work. I wasn't on these other kids level. And, you know, that was OK with me. I just had to accept that at that moment and realize, all right, it's going to take some extra work for you to get where they are. And, 
and I sought that out. I sought out the help I needed and it was there for me. So again, I was I was very fortunate to have all of the resources from those two programs and from Seton Hall, you know, to make sure that I was successful and yeah, things worked out for the better. Yeah. I had a friend in high school who the the high school that we went to or that was you know, the town's high school wasn't that great. And he was super smart and ended up getting a, a full scholarship to a really top school and then getting there and realizing like he just didn't know how to study. Yes. Like he just hadn't been taught how to just <laughs> sit down and study for an exam. It just wasn't something that we were really taught. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So I could I can totally see that. Could you tell me about Seton Hall? I haven't heard of it. So Seton Hall is a private college in South Orange, New Jersey. We have a very big business school as well as the nursing school. Um, it's a very, you know, it's a, again, a private campus. It's a gated community, like I said, in South Orange. But again, very small. It's mostly a commuter school. So mostly, most of the people who, who did go there were people who, you know, drove from, you know, surrounding towns and came in. But I did stay on campus all four years. I had a great time there. I, uh, like I said, I joined two programs. As far as, you know, academic programs, I was able to join a fraternity. I was able to join, you know, mm -hmm. other, you know, groups. And it was a very good time. I had a very good time there. And it was, you know, it was also very challenging. It was so different from where I grew up. I mean, I grew up in a town where, you know, there was, it was all African-American people. We were all black, you know. And when I got to Seton Hall, it was very few black people on campus. So it was it was an adjustment. But at the same time, you know, I was treated well. And it was, it was a good experience for me. That's really great. So, but what do you think could have helped you in college, like kind of in hindsight? Well, what could have helped me? Um, I think that it's very important. Like I said, again, I think I think I was one of the fortunate ones that I was able to recognize my limitations very early on. And in recognizing those limitations, I was also surrounded with uh, the support to help me address them. So I, I was very lucky, but I, I, it was times where I was very hard on myself. But if I could say what helped me in college or what would have helped me in college, I would say if they put an emphasis on professions outside of being a medical doctor. So if I could go back to those programs that I told you that I joined, I was able to do two summer courses. So after my freshman summer, I went to Columbia University for a program that was called SMDP. It was a summer medical dental educational program. And what we did was we took some courses that we were going to be taking the next year, our sophomore year. So we took organic chemistry, some more advanced biology classes and some calculus classes. So, and then in addition to that, we also were able to shadow different doctors at Columbia or was able to shadow a surgeon at Harlem Hospital. So it was really, we were able to hang out with the med, med students for about six weeks. We lived on campus in uh, Washington Heights. So it was a really good experience. But I noticed that when I was in the hospital and when I was shadowing the doctors that I just didn't it wasn't there. It was something about being in the hospital that I just couldn't really stomach. I didn't mm -hmm. had, I, I, I guess I was, I was too impacted by what I saw, too impacted by, you know, seeing people who were sick, seeing people who may, you know, you know, not be here at any moment. For me, that was just a, a really emotional experience. And it wasn't something that I could really see myself doing on the daily. And then again, yeah. if you go back, my main motivation was to always work with kids. So now if we're working with sick kids and seeing sick kids every day, I'm like, goodness, Marcus, like, can you really handle this? So I completed the program. I, I stayed on my pre-med course. And then the following summer, I did another um, summer program. And again, all of these programs that I did were because I joined that pre-medical, pre-dental plus program. And they, they were able to expose me to these different internships and opportunities. So again, the following summer, I went to a, a program at Robert Wood Johnson. Uh, it was the medical school at Rutgers. It's called the Biomedical Careers Program, BCP. And um, again, it was the same thing. We took courses and I did real good in the coursework. You know, that was never an issue. But when it came time to do the shadowing again and to actually get in the hospital, it just, I, you know, you know, shadowing surgeons, you know, do, do, it just for me, I, I didn't think it was a good fit. So mm -hmm. when I returned to school the following year, I uh, joined a, a research lab uh, for one of my biology teachers. 
And Dr. Klaus, she, she was able to show me a side of biology until that point, my junior year, that I had never known about. And this kind of goes back to your question of what could have helped me in college. You know, it was a long you know, road to get there. But essentially, if I think being exposed to careers outside of the medical, you know, medical field, before I got to college, I, the only way I thought I could help those kids that I saw was to be a medical doctor, you know, mm-hmm. it was to go to med school. And, but I realized that there were other routes and other routes where I could even probably be more impactful, where I can do the work behind what the doctors are applying, where I could do the research that's maybe one day going to really help these kids. So yeah. through my, I don't want to say failures, but through my experiences and, and realizing and, and learning about myself and and understanding that maybe, you know, medicine wasn't for me, maybe being in the hospital and working with sick kids wasn't for me, I was able to find that, you know, this this whole world of research. And it, it was very, very cool. But had I known that going into college, maybe I could have spent more time learning more about that. But again, you know, I guess you have to experience some things to kind of know what it is you, you really want. So I don't regret yeah. Yeah, I was talking about this with another couple of people on another podcast, and um, the idea that when you come when you come from like say uh, an area where you don't maybe have a lot of scientists in your immediate circle, you know your parents aren't scientists, their friends aren't scientists, it can be, and you want to be a scientist, it can yes. be difficult to kind of picture what that is beyond being a doctor or a professor because those yeah, are what you a teacher, see exactly. That's it. Yeah, you don't really see people working in labs or you know, working, um, just in the industry mm-hmm. as much. Oh yeah. I mean, and then, and that's, that's, that's another, that's a whole other thing, right? Cause once, you know, I learned about the lab and research, you know, I, at that point I'm like, okay, well now I'm going to be a research scientist. Now I guess I need to be a professor. I guess I need to, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. you know, so it's another step beyond that. Cause now I, I, I knew nothing about the industry. I knew nothing about being a study director. I mean, it, it, it took a whole PhD and a master's degree before I ever learned about what a study director was or that this position existed. So yeah. Yeah, if, I could, if 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 there could have been some exposure to this field and in the industry and you know things outside of being you know actual MD, that would have been very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's really f- crazy to think about it because when you do stop and think about it, obviously there's a whole range of jobs between early research, discovering stuff, and yes. then late like you know say uh, safety testing to make sure that already approved drugs are still safe and and non toxic. So it's like that it's a you know thousands of people in between there but we only see like the doctor the professor Mm -hmm. the you know the drug manufacturer maybe it's like yeah all the rest are kind of just opaque which is interesting that's very true it's very true and and i think more work is being done and you know that's kind of something that does motivate me try to expose that you know you don't have to necessarily go into medical school or go into the medical field to, mm-hmm. to have an impact if you love biology. And I think that's something that a lot of kids need to know, especially ones in, in inner city communities who might not be exposed to any of this at all. Do you feel any kind of you know personal responsibility for for sharing your story or talking to kids who are like you or like you were younger and just showing them what the sort of things that can be possible? Very much so. Overwhelming responsibility, actually. I, I feel like for me, had I, had I been, and, and I don't want to keep saying had I been, because there were opportunities and I was exposed to a lot of things growing up. Like I said, sure, my yeah. was, was very good at, you know, making sure we got culture and we were able to to see, you know, people who were in good positions and who also looked like us. So there was that, but it just didn't go deep into the sciences, I guess you could say, right? So mm-hmm. I do feel an obligation to to get out there and, and show kids and speak to kids and let them know, like, you know, there are things that you can do, you know, and if you want to be a doctor, please go for that and expose yourself to that and try that. But there are a plethora of abundance of, of jobs you can look towards, careers you can, you know, pursue in biology. Mm-hmm. 
if you were giving advice to someone who was like you entering college, you know, with similar background, what kind of stuff would you tell them? What do you wish you had known in hindsight? Um, well, I could tell you what I would tell them and I could tell you what I wish I had known. What I would tell them <laughs> is to expose, is to surround yourself with people smarter than you. And that's something that I, I did that. No shame. I, I <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I, I sat at the front of every class. Um, I never, if I had a question, I never, ever had a problem raising my hand in front of 110 students. If it was a question <laughs> that, you know, people might never be afraid to ask the questions you need to ask because one, those other students, they may be afraid to ask that question. And while you think it's, exactly you may yeah. think it's, you may think it's a, you know, a simple question or, you know, I don't want to say a dumb question, but you know, something that you missed, it's okay to say, I, I might've missed this. You might've, you know, you, you might've already said this, but uh, I was wondering, you know, so I, I, it was a lot of that, but again, around yourself with people who are smarter than you. I was always trying to just, you know, see what it was that they saw that I didn't see, see how they could help me. I, I, I always was joining study groups of people who were, I would just by f- just way smarter than me. They just, they just, they just got <laughs> it. But eventually it rubbed off on me and I, I adopted their habits. I learned how they studied. I learned how they looked at things, how they took notes. And after a while, I didn't necessarily, I kept studying with them, but I didn't need it. I learned how to study on my own eventually to the point where I was able to, you know, to, to, to hold my own and, 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 and get, you know, really good grades in all these courses. But I had to see what the kids who were doing good, you know, how were they doing it? So surround your people, surround yourself with people who, who are going to help you. Not just, not just people you're going to have fun with and not, you know, that you need that too. And, and that's something else I would emphasize. But as far as what I would definitely tell you, surround yourself with people who, who are smarter than you or who people, you, people <laughs> you just admire in that way, people who, who impress you, you know, uh, academically. But then the thing that I would say that I wish I had known was to just find balance and, and not let fear shape every move. For me, uh, I'm, I was always motivated by fear, the fear of failure, the fear of, like I said, mm-hmm. I, this whole idea of wanting to be a doctor, this started very, very early on, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're 13, you know, maybe even 10 years old and you're telling your family you want to be a doctor and you're always saying that, they start to, I have a huge family. So they're always, always, oh, hey, doc, oh, doctor, you know, so <laughs> it just become, it becomes a, a reality. And then after a while, you're like, well, if I don't, you know, if I don't follow through on this, then so you start, to, it's fear. So I'm, I was just motivated by fear and I shouldn't have done that. I should have had more confidence in my preparation, just been confident in what I was doing and not always, not always be so hard on myself. So just, I, I would say if there was something I could do, I would just, if I prepared, if I studied, just be confident in what I was doing and not to overstudy because people do that. Sometimes, you know, you're studying mm-hmm. so long and you're not getting anything. You're just trying to put in more time to say, look, I did this, you know? Right. But if you do it right and you find people who have good habits, do it the right way. They're not studying all night. They're doing it the right way. So mm-hmm. I would say I wish that I had one, not necessarily let fear motivate me and, and had more confidence in myself and understood that if I prepared for this, then, you know, I'm probably going to do okay. And then had I known that, I probably would have gone out there more, done more things, had more of a, a life balance in college. And again, I, I don't regret anything because I feel like I, I did what I had to do to get where I'm at. But I do feel like there were some opportunities where I could have maybe gone out or maybe done some other things, you know, because, but, but because of the fear, mm-hmm. oh, I got this exam coming up. I, I didn't do those things. So I would say just have a balance and, and, and have confidence in your preparation. Yeah, I think, I think that's really fair. And to your point earlier, I think that admitting that you don't know something and asking questions is kind of a skill that we are losing somewhat yes. <laughs> in some ways, you know, it, telling people you don't actually need to have an expert opinion on everything. One thing I've, I've always told people is I never want to be somebody, you know, people, they, they see, you know, I, I got my PhD, I got my master's, you know, oh, you're, you're a scientist. They think you're so smart, but I tell them it's not, it's not that I'm smart. It's not that I know all these things, 
but I will do anything I need to do to find that answer. So if you ask me something, no, I might not have the answer. And I'll tell you, I don't know, but I can find it out. And that's one thing, you know, we're professional learners. We're always able to learn, able to research, able to find information, you know, able to understand things, break things down, and then hopefully teach it to someone else. So yeah, knowing everything is, is very overrated, but being able to ask the right people, know who to ask, know where to find information, that's that's the skill, that's that's essential. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my friend in college, he, he eventually learned it. He doesn't need to know the answers. He just needs to know who to ask and how to find out. Exactly. That's what's way more important than memorizing everything. Exactly. But it, it doesn't hurt to know the answers. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, if only the smartest people in each college class ended up going on to be scientists, then we would have a very limited <laughs> range of scientists who yep. all kind of had the same ideas. And that's not good for science, frankly. Nope. <laughs> I could totally picture what you're talking about right now. And it, it, yeah, it, yeah. it wouldn't be good for science, nor would it be fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Diversity. Diversity is important. I mean, is, not just yes. not just from a moral standpoint, but literally from a scientific standpoint. Yes. <laughs> you need a broad range of ideas. So who who are some speaking of which, who are some of your scientific heroes? Some of my scientific heroes. So growing up, uh, Charles R. Drew was always one of my heroes, and he was also a, a member of my fraternity that I joined in college. So I, I love Charles R. Drew. Also, um, and I don't, well, Charles R. Drew, he was the man who invented the blood transfusion. And unfortunately, he um, died. And as his death was a result of him not being able to to get the blood transfusion that he helped discover, right? So it's a very, uh, very sad story. Right. He Didn't he work during... Um... World, one of the world wars world and War he II, discovered yes. blood typing. Yeah. yeah. Saved a lot of lives during, during world war II. Saved a lot of lives. Yeah. Yes. But unfortunately couldn't, couldn't save his own, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, then also uh, Dr. Ernest Everett just, um, he's uh, was a Marine biologist, also one of the, the founders of my fraternity. And then my last scientific hero, I don't shout him out a lot, but I'm going to, you know, give him his props because he is the reason why I chose the career I did. And that's Dr. Ben mm-hmm. Carson. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people may know Dr. Ben Carson because of his associations with um, Donald Trump and all these things that he's currently doing. But I know Dr. Ben Carson from the book Gifted Hands. That was the book that was handed to me at a very young age. And I just saw so much of myself in him. Mm-hmm. And he was the, the neurosurgeon. He was just the guy. He's you know, a black guy, you know, Christian. And it was just it was it was, it was amazing. So. He was, you know, my hero. I don't want to say he's not anymore because of the decisions he made later on in his career. But yeah, Mm -hmm. a lot of what he did and a lot of what he wrote was why I am am where I am today. I mean, yeah, it's a complicated subject, but what (laughs) matters is inspiring people to, you know, do the kinds of work that you're doing now. I mean, you might not have become a pediatrician, but you're still helping children. Exactly. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Marcus. I will delete the part where I yelled at my cat, but... (laughs) Other than that, this has been a really interesting discussion. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. I really, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell my story. It was, it was really fun. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.